This morning we want to give God's Word an opportunity to speak to us and to help us in our walk, to shape us and form us. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 12. And this is a story early in Jesus' ministry, and we typically refer to it as the calling of the first apostles. Let's be standing, please. This is the Word of God. This is the Gospel. When Jesus heard that John, John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, which Scott read just a moment ago, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. May God bless the reading of his word. This week I read an interesting story. I found it interesting by a man named Roger Nishiaka. Uh, Roger is a prof at uh, Columbia Theological Seminary. And he tells a story about how he grew up in a family where his dad was a Presbyterian pastor. And in his, room, in his, in his home there were lots of rules you know how we preachers are, we have lots of rules. And he said they had a lot of rules in their family, and one of them was that you did not watch television while you ate dinner. And he said that was a hard and fast rule, except on Sunday evenings. Sunday evenings, the family would gather together, and his dad would get up and turn on the television because he wanted to watch, and he wanted his family to watch, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, you got it. Now, for you younger folks, that's kind of like Animal Planet, uh, Discovery Channel. Uh, we didn't have a whole channel dedicated to that, but uh, every once in a while, a program like that would come on that demonstrated th- what was going on in the natural world around us. And the reason that Roger's dad wanted his family to watch that is that he felt like that as they saw the glory of God's creation, They were witnesses then to his creativity, to his imagination, and sometimes even to what I think is God's sense of humor, the way he designed this world to work. And he felt like by watching it as a family together, they were witnesses to the power and the glory of God. Now, one particular episode that Roger remembers as a child was an episode about the elephant seals of Argentina. 
And in this show, they were, were showing the, the, a beach there where all these elephant seal mothers had come to give birth to their pups. And the beach was covered with, with seals giving birth to their pups. And it particularly focused in on one mother seal. And after she had given birth to her pup, she was exhausted and famished. And so she, along with all the other mother seals, dove back into the ocean to feed, to eat, so that they could gain their strength back and then come back and be able to nourish their pups. Well, the problem was when they came back out of the the ocean, they had all moved to different locations. And you had all these pups on the beach and they had sort of rolled around and everything. Everything was all mixed up. So how was it that one mother pup was to find, uh, one mother seal was to find her own pup? Well, the mother seal begins calling out. If I could do a good seal imitation, I would do that. But she begins calling out and sniffing the air. And the pups all began calling out and sniffing the air. And over a period of time with this, all this noise going on of all these seals crying out, they eventually move around and each mother seal finds her pup. The narrator of the show made the point that the reason this happens is, is that when a, a seal gives birth, the sound of her pup's voice and the scent of her pup is imprinted on that mother seal's mind. And the same is true with the pup. That imprinted on the pup's mind is the sound of its mother's voice and her scent. And that by calling out to each other, eventually they get together. Now, the reason that Roger says that he remembered that so vividly was that after the narrator had made that point, His father turned to the family and said, you know, that's how it is with us and God. That each one of us is imprinted upon the mind of God. And on each of our minds is imprinted the memory of God. And that if we will call out to each other, that even if it takes a lifetime, we will come together. We will find each other. Now, he wasn't the first one to make that point. Way back with the great theologian Augustine, he made this statement that many of you are aware of. He said, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in you, O God. C.S. Lewis has made the same point as well. That within us is the idea of God. Within us is imprinted the memory of God. That is why whenever life begins to press in and things are going crazy and we don't know what to do, what is our first response but to call out, Oh God. Well, even in the natural world, the seals of Argentina bear witness to that truth. Now, it's interesting that the story we just read out of Matthew chapter 4 happens, too, on a seashore. 
Now, it's not about elephant seals, but it is about calling. It is about finding. Only this time, it is God calling and finding his people. In the text, Jesus has left the Jordan River Valley down in the south, has gone back up into his homeland of Galilee. And while he had been down in the Jordan River, he had run into some folks. We talked about that last week, didn't we? We talked about out of the Gospel of John. Who was it that he met while he had been down in the Jordan River Valley? Well, he met Andrew. And Andrew brought Peter to him. And we feel like he met John as well. And if he met John, our guess is he probably ran into James too. And now he has gone back up into Galilee. And we're going to find out in the story that Peter and Andrew and James and John had gone back up there as well. Jesus relocates from Nazareth to Capernaum, which just happens to be right there on the seacoast of Galilee. And then he goes out and he begins calling to people. And he gives a generic call when he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. But he also goes out and he calls specific people that he wants to come and be his. So in our story, he's walking along beside the sea. And there he encounters two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew James and John, they're going about their daily business. They're fishing. And he comes up to them and he says, come, follow me. Now, if you're reading this in the original language, you notice something a little strange there. Because if you're reading it in the original language, you know that the word for follow is akolotheo. And that word is often used whenever the Bible talks about people following God or following Jesus or following one another. But it's not the word that Jesus uses in Matthew's account. What he says instead is, come, get behind me. I want you here right behind me. And it's interesting that if we can, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but if we we jump ahead to Matthew chapter 16, do you remember when Peter started challenging Jesus when Jesus was telling him that the Messiah needed to die? And Peter was saying, no, don't talk that way. You're not going to die. You're going to be a grand and glorious Messiah. And Jesus said, Peter, remember, get behind me. Because being behind Jesus, following him, is the perfect description of what a disciple is. For them and for us. If we are disciples of Jesus, we follow behind him and watch him. We listen to him. We learn from him. We we learn from him who we are and who God is. And we adopt his worldview about what's important and what's not important. We learn our morality from him. How we're to treat other people. How we're to relate to other people. What we're supposed to do with this body that God has given to us. And so as we walk along behind, we watch carefully, we listen, we talk, we ask questions. And therefore, we begin to imitate him and to live life the way that he lived life. So this is the call he gives to them. Peter, Andrew, James, John, come, walk behind me, be my disciples, 
Come and follow me. And as we hear that call to them, doesn't something kind of tingle within us? That old memory of God. Somewhere down deep inside, that part of us that still longs to hear His voice and still reaches out to Him, hears that same call, Come, follow me. Now, the way Matthew tells the story, whenever Jesus came walking along beside the sea and calls out to them, they drop everything right then and there, don't they? I mean, they just, they drop their nets, they leave their boats, they leave their families, and they go and they follow Jesus. Boom. Mark is the gospel that loves the word immediately. If you read the gospel of Mark, you're going to find immediately, 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 at once, at once, at once. But in this telling, Matthew adopts that same language, and both times with each set of brothers, he said, it happened immediately. Have you ever wondered about that? Thought, wow, how could they make up their minds that fast to come and be disciples of Jesus? Because, like us, you know these guys were hearing a lot of voices calling to them in their lives. Come, be this. Come, do that. We hear those voices all the time. There are things that pull us in all kinds of different directions. This is what makes life fun. This is what makes life interesting. This will make life complete for you. Sometimes those voices come from our own heads and our own desires and our own drives pushing us. Leave behind this. Change that. Do something else. How can we know when the voice of God is speaking to us? How can we know what life really is supposed to be? How can we know how we're really supposed to act? What kind of people we're supposed to be? Out of all these voices that are calling, like on that Argentina shore, a great cacophony of seals barking, how do you know which one is your mother? Which one is your father? Which one is your creator? Which one really knows what everything's about? Well, I think we can get a little example here, a little example. I think we can learn from Matthew as he tells the story of Peter and Andrew and James and John. Because even though Matthew doesn't tell us this, we learned last week, and have already referred to it this morning, that this isn't the first time these guys have encountered Jesus. In fact, they, like the little seal pups, were obviously calling out to God all along too. Hadn't they left and taken a break from their fishing duties and gone down to be with John the Baptist? Whenever they had heard that John the Baptist was out in the desert preaching the Word of God. And they, calling out to God, went and met John and became disciples of John. And when John pointed to Jesus and said, He's the one, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then they went and they, they met him and were with him. So Peter and Andrew and James and John were seekers. Peter and Andrew, James and John were calling out to God. And they met Jesus down in the Jordan River Valley. And then they, went, you know, they came up and they, they end up in the same place again in Galilee. Now, one reason I wanted to point that out is, I don't know about you, but that kind of describes my life as well. That there's been these intersections with Jesus along the way. And you become impressed with him and think, well, and then all of a sudden there's another voice, something else, and you're over there. What will it take to get us really together? Together to stay. There on that Sea of Galilee, beside the Sea of Galilee, even though they had heard his voice before, And even though they were calling out to him, whenever he walked by that time and said, come and follow me, it worked. And for the rest of their lives and into eternity, they were with God. How does that help us? You know, I don't know where you are right now and what's going on in your life. And you may be calling out to God at this very moment. And saying, I need you. I can't explain why, but I do know you're there. But there are so many voices in this world calling to me too. How can we be sure whenever we call to him and he calls to us that we find each other? Well, are you ready to hear the gospel now? Because that's what this is. This is the good news. This is the gospel that broke into the world through the ministry and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because he came to give us a name. A name to use to call out to God. So that when we use this name and call out to God, we know that God is listening, that God hears, and that that voice that we hear return to us and that pull that we have in our lives is God himself, our Father, our Creator. And the name that is given above all names is Jesus. I challenge you, when you get home today, pull out your concordance if you have one, or get on your computer and go to, go to a biblical concordance there, type in name of Jesus. And be impressed with how many references you're going to get in the New Testament about how important not just Jesus is, but the name of Jesus. For example, we began today by reading a portion out of Acts where Peter and John had been arrested and they'd been told, don't use that name anymore. And Peter said, I have a problem with that because quoting him, he says, there is salvation, wholeness, Peace, togetherness with God in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. It's the only one that works. This is the call that we have been given to call out to God through the power and the blessing of the name of Jesus. Paul later on 
whenever he's writing to the Corinthians. He says, I'm writing to you guys who are saints. I'm writing to you, and I know you're saints because everyone's a saint who calls out to the name of Jesus. It is our call to God. When Paul was baptized, as he's telling the story, he says, you know, Ananias came to me, and he said, Saul, rise up, be baptized, wash away your sins, doing what? Come on, you Bible scholars, you know what he said. Calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our plea to God. This is our call to God. And when that was down and deep inside of us, wants to find him, we know that he is calling to us, and we lift up the name of Jesus. Let me tell you one more story. This one is told in the Gospel of John. It's told by Jesus. It's not about elephant seals in Argentina. It's about sheep and shepherds. But listen to how some of these same themes weave in and around. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate but climbs in another way is a thief and a bandit. There's those other voices that are after you. Those other ways of living that call to you. Jesus warns us that they will steal your life from you. They will take away from you the very thing that you're looking for. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. There it is. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep will follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. The sheep know the shepherd. We know our God through the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits. He's going to warn us about this three or four times in this passage. That there are other forces out there. There are spiritual forces out there that want you. There are other people out there that want you. And then there's just this stuff going on inside of us that gets us all confused. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep will not listen to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters by me, whoever calls my name, will be saved. And we'll come in and go out and find pasture, safety, and nourishment. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come for you so that you may live and may have life abundantly. All through Scripture, we are encouraged to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And what that means at its most fundamental level is to believe that when we call upon God in that name, that He hears and responds. And that as we call, upon, uh, call out to Him on the name of Jesus, trusting and believing that we will be joined with God, then just like 
that old mama seal and that brand new pup find each other on that beach. Here in the midst of your own life, you find God and he gives you the life you crave. I pray that you will hear the voice of Jesus calling to you. And if you will but in your own heart call to him, then he will find you. And he'll give you that same call again. Come, follow me. Let's stand and sing.